Happy birthday, Jack. Today is your birthday. It's a celebration. You were 30. Oof. Eight. (laughs) Yikes. Baby Nation, you were listening to a man who is nearly 40. No. Talk about a a series of books for 13-year-old girls. (laughs) Written in the 80s. Yeah. When I was growing up. Me too, man. It's babies of the eighties. You babies, and me. Yeah. Babies and gentlemen. Babies and gentlemen. It's my birthday today. Baby Wait. Nation, join me in singing Happy Birthday to Jack Shepard. Happy that's birthday. Not, let's to not let's you. not do the whole thing because you will be surprised. Happy birthday to you. As you will know if you've done this Happy before. It actually goes on longer than you think. Dear Jackie. Happy birthday to you. Baby Nation was singing along. Happy birthday to you as well, Baby Nation. And Tanner. Yeah, my birthday's next week. Happy birthday, Tanner! <laughs> okay, that was good. That was a great start. In 86, Anna Martin wrote the first book of what became a call. Now it's time for Babysitter's Club Club. Hi, hi. Hi. And welcome to the Babysitter's Club Club. Club. A podcast in which I, Jack Shepard, I, Tanner Green, <laughs> I'm going to need a vast amount more enthusiasm Man, from you today. Yep. You know what you're getting from me today. <laughs> I just got, I'm still on the island mindset. Okay. It's up here. Yeah. I'm gesturing in my head. Mm-hmm. I'm still on the beach, bud. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Pura Vida. Uh, Isn't that beach lifestyle? The, the blasting you know rays. You're from me today. The blasting rays of the sun ray are not uh, it helps. approximating for you. It that... helps. It's just not the same. Baby Nation, Tanner and I are just back from our winter vacations. Yeah. Uh, I wintered a mere few hours from here in cold upstate New York. Tanner wintered. I was on the beaches of Playa Concha yeah. in Costa Rica. Smelling monkeys. No. Seeing them. Yeah. I saw lots of monkeys. Mm-hmm. Los monos. Yep. We were on the beach one day, and monkeys like to climb around in the trees. Mm-hmm. And we were on the beach, and we heard people like clamoring. And we went over, and there was a bunch of monkeys in the trees. And there was a little uh, Costa Rican girl there, and she was pointing up in the trees and going, Oh, 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 monitos. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Trying to get the monitos' attention. Wow. Monitos means little monkeys. <laughs> I have a feeling I'm going to be hearing you saying that. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Monitos! <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. Nope. I'm still there up here, you know? Um, well, welcome back to the cold, harsh reality. It's cold as hell. It's cold. It, it's dirty. I told you earlier, this city is full of little people with little dreams. Uh-huh. And now I'm just another face in the crowd. Do you count you and me? Tanned, beautiful, beach face <laughs> in the crowd. You sound like a real California casual. You can bring some of that attitude to this Dawn episode. Just try to... Dawn is California casual. Yep. Dawn is California casual. Oh, it sounds like we're talking about the uh, Babysitter's Club books, which... You know where I read this book? Where'd you read this book? Sitting on Playa Concha. (laughs) Soaking in the rays. So you have now read a Babysitter's Club book in Versailles... I've read a Babysitter's Club book on a uh, high-speed train from Berlin to uh, Göttingen, Germany. Mm -hmm. I've read a Babysitter's Club book in Versailles, Mm -hmm. and I've read a 
Babysitter's Club book on the beaches of Playa Conchal, Costa wow. Rica. And? And? If you're listening, <laughs> that is dedication. I've read Babysitter's Club books mostly in New York. Yep. And today, we're talking about a Babysitter's Club book. Why is it that we are talking about a Babysitter's Club book? Because we have a duty. Yep. It's our duty. It's our duty to the baby nation. We're closing in on a year. We're closing in on a full year. That's nonsense. (laughs) Uh, What do we have to show for it, Jack? uh, I mean, we're a lot richer. An entire nation of babies. An entire full nation full of babies. Right. Oh, you know what you're doing? You were literally distracting me from introducing this show. (laughs) (laughs) And I, like, got caught up in it. Yeah. Yeah. Babysitter's Club, fe- featuring me, Jack Shepard, you, Tanner Greenring. I'm here. We read the classic novels of St. Anne Matthews Martin, Princess of Princeton. That's it. Yeah. Featuring? Writer of The Sitter's Cycle, The Great Books, The Great Cycle of Sitters. Featuring oh. art, cover art by Hodges Silu. Swallow. Featuring cover art by Hodges Swallow. And what we do on this podcast is we read- and This week- these books. The author gratefully acknowledges Peter Lorangis in his help in preparing this manuscript. Okay. Well. Is that helpful? Thank you, Peter. No, not at all. Uh, and this- a special thanks okay. to Harry and Sandy Colt for their information on Zuni culture. Okay, good. Well, that's something I'm hoping to dig into. Let's tell the Baby Nation what book we read this week. It's a book called Dawn and the Big Sleepover. Yep. That's it. We got past the housekeeping. Yeah, I was right there with you the whole time, man. <laughs> we did it. <laughs> We've introduced I the show. A lot. I said that thing about Harry and Sandy and the Zuni stuff. Uh-huh. Yep, that was super helpful. Uh, we read a book this week. Do you want to talk about it? Yeah, I think we should. Yeah, good. Okay. Do you want to talk about it via dueling descriptions of the book? I think we should. Great. Why don't I start? You always start. Do you want to start this time? No, I would be weird. Yeah. <laughs> it like I got literal shivers down my spine thinking about I feel like it would process. color your interpretation of the book. Yeah. You know what I would love, Jack, more than anything in the world? Yep. If you would do your recap. <laughs> oh, wow. This is a new one from you. You interrupted me to tell me that I should move along. It's good. Why don't I describe the book? Then I'm going to put 60 seconds on the clock and have you describe the book. I am not going to explain why we do it twice. You're just going to have to come along for the ride. You ready for that, sir? Yes. Oh, that's a, a rare. Got the yes. I'm going to begin now. Wait. Oh, okay. A baby bee <sighs> sent me a Facebook message saying that they wanted me to get you to do your British accent. Will you do it in your British accent? I think they find it, like, intriguing. <laughs> Just doing your British accent. It was Baby B. Alice, who also goes by Aiden. Okay. For the description. Yeah. They just asked for it in general, but... Okay. I I'm an, you know good... I'm an American citizen now. Yeah. Okay. So you're just affecting it now. Do you think it'll make you sit up and pay attention? Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Good. All right. Look into these baby blues, Tanner. I can see them. I'm going to tell Sunray is illuminating them brilliantly. <laughs> I'm going to tell you a story. I'm Have you lost to... it? Have you lost your British accent? No, I don't think so. Okay. I'm going to tell you a story. Are you doing it now? I'm doing it. I'm doing it now. This is British. Yeah. This is this is how I speak. Okay. This is the real me. I think you've lost it. <laughs> You're just trying to psych me out. You know. <laughs> I'm going to do it now. Oh, 
When troubling rumours of fire and conflagration in the west reached the small hamlet of Stony Brook, most residents shrug it off. The world is changing, they say, but surely it cannot affect our quiet lives here in the east. And so it falls to seven ordinary girls just on the verge of womanhood to cast aside their childish games and rouse their sleepy town to action, fighting fire with love and courage, facing evil with purity of heart, and finding deep inside themselves a small but fulsome light to shine against the longest night that any of them have ever known. Dawn and the big sleepover. I think that was a very good description for you to use your British accent. <laughs> I think everything is a good description for a British accent. It just sounds more... I've tried to encourage you off mic before to switch it back to your British accent, but you're mm-hmm. not interested. Well, it's not going to happen. I'm an American now. American. Yeah, well, an American. Should I do my British accent for my description? Yeah, I or should think I so. just do my my pure Minnesota accent? Hey man, it's <laughs> yeah, that's better. <laughs> that's better. Okay. So <laughs> these girls Um this is your 60 seconds. It's your your playpen. It's your sandbox. Oh, Jesus, what happened in this book? Okay. I want it. you to do whatever you feel comfortable doing yeah. during these 60 seconds. Let yeah. it let your light shine, my man. Yeah, I'm gonna set a clock for 60 seconds, and then you're gonna describe this book for us. I'm gonna. Was hit there s- a B plot? No. Okay. I'm gonna hit. A There's start. no real B plot in this book. Okay. You know what? A good time to explore that is during your fucking 60 seconds, during which you will tell us what happened in this book. A plot, B plot, if there is one. Is there one? Hey, man, you literally just read this on the beaches of Costa Rica. Playa Concha. <laughs> I'm going to hit start right now. Okay, so uh, the kids of Stony Brook have a pen pal program of uh, Stony Brook Elementary School, have a pen pal program with some kids at a Zuni Native American reservation in Arizona. Uh, They exchange letters back and forth. They get some bad news that the Zuni um, reservation has burned down. Their school burned down. A lot of their houses burned down. Dawn comes up with this great idea to organize a fundraiser and coat and clothing and food drive and send all of the stuff to the um, Zuni children. They do that. It's kind of a disaster. Everything ends up badly. Uh, the, the the prize is a big sleepover at the school, so all the kids become very competitive and start giving away stuff that they shouldn't be giving away. And it's a total disaster, but it all comes together in the end, and they contribute a huge amount of money and clothing and food to the Zuni children, and it's great. Time. Yeah. Nailed it. Was there a B-plot? There was no B-plot this time. I, th- I think that's why I like this book. Yeah. This felt like a good book. It felt like a good, clean read. It was robust. Yeah. There it was, was Because yeah. there was no nothing weighing us down. Yeah, nothing weighing us down. There was no animal pet show. No fucking pet show. Which is essentially now just going to become a stand-in for when they phone it in for the 40 pages of content. Right. The pet show had nothing to do. No. This was just, this was good, clean fun. Good, clean, babysitting fun. I have to say, I captured this note at one point. Mm -hmm. You created this term several books ago. Babysitter agnostic. Babysitter agnostic. I'm so glad that stuck in your head. There was many moments in this book. Mm -hmm. It was so generic, I will say. (laughs) Uh-huh. It was a good book. I loved it. Yeah. It was a good, clean read. Yep. But 
It was so generic that any babysitter could have fit into the mold of main character of this book that I often forgot that it was a Dawn book. I think in that, fact, I kept thinking it was Mary Ann book. Yeah. I can see some truth to that, but Dawn, except for the fact that Dawn is the best among them. But she's she's so timid in this book. She's timid. This is why like, it, I kept thinking it's a Mary Ann book, because she kept being like, oh, I'm so afraid to like do this thing. I'm so afraid to call the teachers and get this thing going. I'm so afraid to like take this next step. It to feels do this like thing. it does. It feels like they wrote this book for Marianne. It's like when you write a screenplay for some actor and then they like couldn't make it. Yeah. They wrote this book for Marianne and this fucking scholastic lawyers were like, give us a Dawn book. Right. Just change out Marianne for Dawn. Yeah. Which and Marianne a- weirdly in this book is like very energetic, very laid back. She, coaches Dawn through a lot of things. You're right. It's like they swap roles. Yeah, to some extent. Except that Dawn books, as you know, are always about her deepening her faith and finding a way to be closer to God. Yeah, that didn't happen in this book. And this is a book that is about her recognizing that good works are the way to faith. I guess. It's like a very like evangelical... Hey, I don't write the fucking books. Tele- yeah. Televangelist stance on Christianity. <laughs> I mean, Dawn books have always been, for new baby bees, Dawn books always have overt religious symbolism. Not this one. We don't need to, we don't need to go back through the Charity? litany. Charity? That's your big thing with this one? She is very elemosinary in this book. Yeah. It's, it's rare that you get to take that word out for a for a little walk around the block. But if ever there were a time, it's in this book. Yeah. Which is a book about the elemosinary. You are, I think. Okay. I think Dawn is very lemosinary in this book. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I felt so as well. You think so too? Yeah. She goes to all of this trouble to organize a charity drive to Mm -hmm. save the Zunis, the pen pals, uh, all the way over in New Mexico who are consumed by great fire. I have to go do my 60 seconds over again. Did you say Arizona? Yeah, like four times. <laughs> They're very near each other. They're next door to one another. All right. I know. On sure. my one of my state used to butt up against the four corners. Yeah. Utah, Colorado, Arizona, New Mexico. You can put a foot and a hand in each state. <laughs> I've done it. That's cool, man. I've existed in four states at once. You're not impressed by that? Com- How many states have you lived in at once? Never more than one. one. Never more than one. What a joke you are. <laughs> That's not true. If you've driven over a state border for a split second, like yeah. your f- Tech hands and legs on the steering wheel and pedals were yeah. in one state, and your torso and your butt and your head and genitals were in the state behind you. And feel like you need to mention every single part of the body. Um, do you want to talk about Goober Mansfield? Maybe. Yeah. I don't know if that's a B-plot. Yeah, I do. He's the magician. Yeah. <laughs> There's a magician, baby nation. There is a magician in this book called Goober Mansfield. Goober Mansfield. That's his literal name. Yeah. What a guy. What a guy. Yeah. He's he's a lot of fun. Yeah. When does he show up? So the babies, the babysitters, all decide that they're going to hold a bunch of different fundraisers for the afflicted pen pals in New Mexico. Right. And basically anyone can do whatever they want. And what the Pike children choose to do is have a magic show in their backyard. And they hire a magician from the neighboring town who I think he's a teen. 
I think he's a teen too. It was a real town too. Yeah. And his name is Goober. Goober Mansfield. Mansfield. Yeah. His real name is Peter, and he's the star of all the high school plays in a nearby town called Mercer. He's even had a part in the professional theater production of Shenandoah. Jesse found out about him in ballet class. One of her classmates is Goober's cousin. Julie mentioned that Goober did a dinosaur show at parties in Mercer, and all the kids there loved it. Yep. And then he does this weird dinosaur show. Oh, yeah. He's not really a magician. He's a dinosaur. He does do some close-up magic, though. He does a little bit of close-up magic, but he's mostly a a dinosaur reenactor. Right. (laughs) Except he's a dinosaur who talks. Yeah. And I don't think paleontologists have really gotten to the bottom (laughs) of whether or not dinosaurs could talk yet. Yeah. This is a faction. This is a faction. We know from previous books, especially recently, Anne is hitting the dinosaur note pretty hard in the last... Six or seven books since the schism, which right. is the book after which Anne stays on as an advisor, but doesn't necessarily pen every word in all of the books. Right. Following the schism, we've got a lot of action around dinosaurs. That's something we've been trying to tease apart. It's it's still impenetrable a yeah. little bit. It's not clear how dinosaurs are going to manifest mm-hmm. in Stony Brook. Although, I think we've taken a huge step today with Goober. Yeah. Goober Mansfield mm-hmm. really makes it clear where the dinosaur faction is going to end up in all of this. Okay. Because he comes into this party dressed as a dinosaur, and he just creates utter chaos. Just havoc. Yeah. Yeah. Goober Mansfield shows up, starts his magic show, starts his dinosaur show. Right. And the whole thing just falls apart. It falls apart. He scares Chewie, the dog. Chewie runs through the the party and, like, knocks people over. He scares Jamie Newton half to death. Like, Yeah. I think previously there mm-hmm. has been another faction yeah. who has been champions of chaos. Right. And that has been the demons. Right. But the demons have taken a real back seat ever since. Logan got kicked to the fucking curb. Right. Logan versus Marianne. Yeah. So now a new faction needs to come in and fill that void. Right. I think that's going to be the dinosaurs. They're committed to chaos. Yeah. They're led by a man named Goober Mansfield. Right. And that sounds pretty wacky. Yeah. He commits a miracle. Does he? Yeah. Okay. It did take a while for Jesse and Mal to recover. For a long time, they talked about Goober Mansfield as if he had ruined the day, but Jesse realized one important thing. After all that crazy stuff had happened, the carnival had become twice as crowded. Waiting for more chaos, waiting for more destruction. Goober Mansfield walks in. He does his crazy fucking dance. Yeah. And this fundraiser suddenly is teeming with people who weren't there before. Right. This is a book that is in many ways about miracles. Uh-huh. You think so? Yeah. <laughs> okay. What else you got? <laughs> Should we talk about Dawn's Dark Night of the Soul? Okay. Sure. Uh, sure. That's the end <laughs> of the book, but yeah. That's what this book... So that's what I think this book is in many ways. As you know, the Dawn books are religious in their theme. You keep telling me that. And we've talked. I'm still about skeptical, it. but you've, you've managed to convince me most of the time. Yeah, I feel like I didn't actually get there last time. Yeah, I think there's Someone... been a couple episodes where you didn't quite. Get there. <laughs> I believe 
that every Dawn book has a deep and obvious religious element to it. Mm-hmm. We know this because Anne has laid it down. Dawn Christian. and the Impossible Three. Christian religion. Specifically element. Christian. Yep. Dawn and the Impossible Three. Sure. Obviously Dawn grappling with the Holy Trinity. Yeah. The ghost at Dawn's house. Obviously Dawn grappling with the Holy Ghost. Right. And on and on. Yep. You are more skeptical of this. Yeah. That's the bet. The loser of I this think maybe bet. these are children's books. Okay. Written by a children's books author. Oh, like uh, like Narnia? I feel like you really cherry picked that example. <laughs> um, I want to talk about Dawn's Dark Night of the Soul. Um, Saint John of the Cross, a 16th century mystical theologian. Jack, you couldn't even find the big sleepover as being Christ's three days in the cave. That's the much more obvious. <laughs> like, what was that? <laughs> if not a big sleepover it sounds to me tanner <laughs> don't you dare turn this it back on me it sounds to me sir like you have found inadvertently it's just the obvious obvious reference you have found an obvious biblical analog to this book the big sleepover is the three days in the cave. That is beautiful. I want to talk about the dark night of the soul a little bit later. Uh-huh. I want to hear you, Tanner. <laughs> okay, let me help you out. You ready? Yep. Jesus spends three days in the cave. Entombed. Entombed. After he Before, was after he's crucified. Let's crucified. Not get, let's not get hung up on the details. Jesus spends three days in the cave. Yeah. Dawn during this dark night, during this big sleepover. Mm-hmm. faces three trials. Okay. We spent part of Thursday at SES arranging final details. Then on Friday afternoon, everything went wrong at once. First, the reporter didn't think he'd make it because he was covering some town meeting that ran late. Chuck. Chuck Whitaker. Winchester. Winchester. <laughs> Chuck Winchester. Good, good reference. Yeah. If you listen to previous episodes, that's a reference to a previous episode. Yeah. Then, Miss Reynolds wasn't able to get the CD player she had promised, so Marianne had to convince Richard to let her bring her tape deck. CD could stand for anything. Yep. Christ's disciples. Christ's death. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Then there was a problem with the pizza. Okay. Three trials. Yep. Three separate days. This dark night, this big sleepover. Went three days. There are three great trials during yep. this big sleepover. Yep. You're the one. go through three great trials as he was laying dead in a cave. Well, according to the Gospel of Nicodemus, Jesus went and harrowed hell and freed all of the lost souls of hell during the three days that he was in the cave. That so sounds yes, pretty badass. He went through some serious bullshit. That's cool. It's an apocryphal gospel. So one that doesn't count. I mean, yeah, technically right now it doesn't count. <laughs> Unless there's another council and someone's like, oh, let's let Nicodemus in. It's fucking baller It sounds shit. cool as hell. Yeah. He just goes down there with like what? Like a sword? He goes there. Yeah, he goes by himself. He goes and he frees all the people who went to hell because they didn't believe in him because they didn't know because they were before him. <gasps> yeah. And he harrows he just hell. just chops his way through hell. Yeah, it's called the harrowing of hell. That sounds cool as hell, it's man. It's awesome. It does not happen in this book. Okay. I don't think there's an analog for this. A little for bit. That in this book. 
I mean, Dawn gets up a lot during the night to help people go to the bathroom. Yeah. And one kid gets sick. Dawn's night, I think that Dawn's dark night of yeah. the soul, yeah. which is talked about by St. John of the Cross as a way of coming to faith, becoming a better person, begins right at the beginning of the book when she tells Marianne about her idea to hold a fundraiser. Marianne is completely uninterested. She's like, eh, I don't know. And Dawn says, I felt like a big balloon with its air being squeezed out. That night, it took me a long time to get to sleep. Mm -hmm. The next moment that she mentions actually falling asleep is at the end of the book. During, you think she went weeks without sleep? In between, I think that this is a metaphor for a dark night of the soul. Okay, I think that she is being tested, like all of this shit is being thrown at her. People are Marianne doubts that she can do the fundraiser. Right. She calls the teacher, and the teacher is like, oh, I don't know if we can make that happen. The kids, like, steal shit from the garage sale, which we probably need to get into. Right. <laughs> Those rascals. <laughs> Those little rascals. And then finally they have the big sleepover itself, which is the ultimate dark night of the soul. Right. And it ends finally just before midnight. Sometime around 11.20, I fell asleep. Mm-hmm. That's at the sleepover. At the sleepover. Right. That's the, that's the final moment. Okay. What does it all mean, Jack? Well, Proverbs. Great. You've got me. Proverbs 11.20. Shit. The you Lord got scripture. detests those whose hearts are perverse, but he delights in those whose ways are blameless. Don has been found blameless at the end of this trial, at the end of this series of trials. She's been, she's trying to make herself better. She goes into the big sleepover, which is a dark night of the soul. Yep. All she wants is to make herself a better person. Three days in the tomb. Who does she call when she first decides that that's what she wants to do, that she wants to plunge into this dark night? She calls Jeff's former teacher. Yeah. And what's her name? Miss something. Miss Besso. Miss Besso? Besser. Besser. What? Tanner, you speak German. Yeah. What does Besso mean in German? Better? Yeah. Yeah. She calls up Mrs. Better. Uh-huh. And she tries to improve herself. A character who's who's never been introduced before. Never been introduced before. Apparently Jeff's former teacher. Jeff's former at teacher. SES. Yeah. Mrs. Better. Mrs. Bessa. Mrs. Bessa. And then Dawn, in the course of that night, commits a miracle. Does she? Yeah. She does. There she are gets... no pizzas. Wow. There There's are... no food yeah. for these teeming masses. Yeah. And she gets up in front of them and she creates Food for all of them. Out of nothing. Out pizza. of nothing. Pizza. She calls the pizza guy up and he's like, I'm sorry, there's no flour. Yeah. And Don says, you're going to have to do better. Shit, that's true. She does do that. <laughs> and she creates 30 pizzas out of nothing. And the guy's like, uh, sorry, I just really can't do it. And Don is like, oh, well, we could go to your rival yeah. in Stamford. And he's like, ah, I'll see what I can do. And out of nothing, Don creates pizza for the multitudes. That's true. And then later in the evening, Jamie Newton and Jackie Radowski and a couple of the kids are out in a fishing boat. Yeah. And, and they're, like, they're caught in a storm. Yeah. And Don walks out atop the waves to save them, to like yeah. bring them ashore. Step by step. Yeah. And they don't, a lot of them don't believe she can do it. Yeah, but she but does she just, it. One step after another on top of the water. Right. And then she goes into the temple, which has been converted into a market. Yeah, and everybody's just, like, selling shit. (laughs) (laughs) We may be confusing things. The boat thing definitely happened. Yeah. I don't think the temple (laughs) thing happened. 
we wouldn't both remember that. <laughs> I have one more, one more little piece of evidence that I want to bring to bear and that I want to discuss. There's one more time that is mentioned. Okay. After Don falls asleep. Yeah. The last thing that happens at this big sleepover. All the kids who participated in the fundraiser or the food slash clothing yeah. drive. Dawn falls asleep at 1120. Finally. She has been judged worthy. She's woken up one last time at 1206 by a girl who has a screaming nightmare. Mm-hmm. And the quote in the book is, 1206, a girl had a screaming nightmare. That was fun. Okay. Numbers. 12. Uh-huh. Six. Mm-hmm. When there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, reveal myself to them in visions. I speak to them in dreams. So this girl saw the Lord. Hey. And it gave her a nightmare. Yeah. That's a little Well, we can't scary. all be Don's, Tanner. Maybe you can't. <laughs> Some of us strive to be Don's, you know? Can I talk about... <sighs> I don't know if you noticed, yeah, but mm-hmm. Jackie Rudowski was in this book. Yep. So Jackie Rudowski is a babysitting charge. Yes, he's a babysitting charge. He's a little boy. Mm-hmm. He is <laughs> prone to accidents. accidents. Mm-hmm. But Jack and I have a theory. Yep. That he is actually unstuck from time. Yep. And that he is a time walker mm-hmm. who has lived out multitudes of lives across the infinite time and space of this reality. Right. And that at any given moment, he is blipping back and forth between the the far past, the distant future, and now. And the, this theory is substantiated time and again in these texts. And the reason that we believe this theory is that Jackie is a hale and hearty young man, star of Christie's Crushers baseball team, and yet somehow he can't walk two steps without tripping over his shoelaces, a thing that could only happen to somebody who is blipping in and out of reality. It, I guess, should we introduce a segment? It's called Tracking Jackie. Oh. <laughs> I can't remember which ones do the thing and which ones don't. <laughs> I think we just say it. Yeah, it's called Tracking Jackie. Tracking Jackie. We have to go back, right? We have to go back. It's all, it always sounds like a mess. So, uh, Jackie has a couple moments in this book. Yeah. All the kids are allowed to come up with their own fundraiser ideas, different ideas for coming up with cash and stuff for these kids in the Zuni reservation in New Mexico. Mm-hmm. Jackie Rudowski comes up with an idea to, oh, a yard sale. Yeah. In the backyard of the Radowski's house. Mm -hmm. Everyone is invited to bring their stuff over to this big yard sale. All the kids show up. They've got the coolest shit you've ever seen. It's awesome. It's a great yard sale. Yeah. It's better. It's better even than the yard sale in Goodbye, Stacy. Goodbye. Um, A novel that I hope uh, everyone listening has read. It's a great, great book by Anne Matthews Martin. Yeah, this uh, is the finest stuff you've ever seen. There's new stereos. There's running sneakers with the tags like still on them. Mm-hmm. There's brand new suits. Mister Coon mm-hmm. donates a brand new suit. Yep, that uh, looks right off the shelf. It's Freshly tr- tailored. In fact, there's a tailor receipt in the pocket. Someone donates a transistor radio. Brand new. An eight track. Yep. And Mr. and Watson 
poor Watson with his oh yeah billions has collected this vast library of like first edition Dost- priceless yeah. books. Dostoevsky's yeah. yeah, he has a first edition the original Russian crime and punishment. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, oh man, I have that exact same first edition. Yeah, and he's like, wow, this is very rare. <laughs> Wait a second. Yeah. And it turns out that David Michael had just taken a bunch of books from Watson's library and yeah. donated them. Jackie Radowski, whatever he was doing in the moment before he is pulled out of time to live another life in another universe, is what informs the life that he lives. Okay, so Jackie Radowski who has organized this whole yard sale. Mm -hmm. He's at the yard sale. He's showing off to Don. He says, Don, look at all this great stuff I've assembled. Look at all this great stuff I've found to sell to you, the rubes of Stony Brook. (laughs) He picks up a bowl. It catches on a toaster. The toaster knocks in some plates. The plates fall on the ground and shatter. Blip. Jackie finds himself sitting at the Hotel de Crillon. It's 1925, okay. and he's in Paris. What, uh, what, what is the significance of that particular event? Well, Jack, yeah. if you were learned, yeah. <laughs> you would recognize 1925, Hotel Crillon. Mm-hmm. Jackie Radowski is Victor Lustig. Okay. And this is the greatest con ever pulled out. <laughs> In history. Okay. Victor Lustig slash Jackie Radowski mm-hmm. is sitting in front of six of Paris's finest scrap iron dealers. Okay. The Eiffel Tower has been up for 30 years. Mm-hmm. It's run into disrepair. It takes a ton of money, a ton of effort to keep this thing up, to keep it painted, to keep it from rusting. It's falling into disrepair. It was supposed to be taken down 15 years ago. But it's still there, right in the heart of the city. Jack Rodowski has forged documents to say that he is a Parisian government official. He's sitting in front of these six men. He recognizes where he's at. He says, he leans in. Hello, uh, gentlemen. <laughs> it is I, Jack R- uh, Victor Lustig. These are the Mark Marksons. And yeah. So you play the six. I'm going to be the six scrap iron dealers. Hang on. <coughs> I'm going to be. I'm Czech, so I'm going to try to channel my best Czech All right. accent, but you're French. Okay, I'm going to be Mark Markson, Glass Hardbody. Oui, oui. <laughs> and we'll, we'll, that, that's probably enough. Sure. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Hello, gentlemen. I'm glad you could. Come today. My name is Jack. Ah, uh, <laughs> Victor Lustig. Hello, Victor. My name is Mark Markson. I am a representative of the Parisian government. He <laughs> sounds very Czech to me. I am Czech in origin, but I am and a I detect- adopted son of your great country. Do I detect a slight American? No. Twinge to your you, accent? No, that is what a Czech accent sounds like. Okay. You are just unfamiliar <laughs> with it. Your <laughs> ignorant ears okay. cannot discern. I am here on behalf of the Parisian government. Uh-huh. You see that ugly eyesore over there in the skyline that... 
<laughs> you spit. <laughs> yeah. I spit. Yeah. I want it wiped clean from my skyline. <laughs> Completely on board with this. And I want all you six scrap dealers okay. to take it down. We're thinking about going into a new line of business anyway. That's a lot of scrap up there. You see all that scrap? Yep. It's good scrap. Absolutely. It's worth a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Make me an offer. 50 f- francs. I'm thinking more like 500,000 francs. <laughs> what do you... Th- this sounds like it's the greatest con in history. <laughs> oh, it sounds like it, right? Let's throw another 100 in for old Jackie... Ra- oh, Victor Lustig. <laughs> Consider it done, my friend. <laughs> I'm thinking about starting a babysitting business, and have you heard of Connecticut? <laughs> I have not. No, is that in s- the south of France? <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry about it. I will gladly give you your money. Blip back to the future. <laughs> Whew. It has come to my attention that certain items at this sale may not be uh, authorized. <laughs> I think some of our collectors have been a little overzealous. I want to offer my apologies. There are a few chuckles from the crowd. The first voice Claudia heard was Mrs. Delaney. You know, this lamp is a little clunky looking anyway. I'll let it go. Well, I do want my radio, Mr. Addison said, then added, I'll give you $10 for it. He handed a $10 bill to Mrs. Radowski, who was behind the table. Most of the parents began chattering with each other and laughing. Watson tapped a few books and said, I'll buy these back for $15, non-negotiable. The greatest con in history, Jackie Radowski slash Victor Lustig. Jackie's back. Jackie's back. He's just just pulled off the greatest con in history, uh, Victor Lustig. Actually did that Eiffel Tower con again some years later. Wait, really? Yeah. God, that's such a good con. I did it twice. <laughs> Do you feel like we could pull it off at this point? Maybe. And this was before, this was 19, what, 30? Yeah. Before then, before cons, before Ponzi schemes. Yeah. Nobody yeah, yeah. had any idea. No. In 1930 in Paris, if someone came up to your door and was like, hey, uh, good news, I'm selling parts of the Eiffel Tower. You're right. You'd be like, whew. I'll take it. Sounds like a good deal. <laughs> you know where Jackie learned that? Yeah. Stony Brook, Connecticut. Stony Brook, Connecticut. <laughs> Trying to save some Zuni children. In the future. <laughs> yeah. Good news, Tanner. That was a segment. There are many other segments. And that we, have, we do. We have to get through them in a little bit of a rush. Because my wife is waiting across the street. Your wife is waiting across the street. Listen, I okay, hang on. I have another thing that I want to introduce. Okay. It is... A tried and true hallowed segment in Babysitter's Club Club history. What could it be? And one that has... Jack. Yeah. I have something to ask you. Okay. Did you have a... You know, the last few episodes, we've just been, like, playing coy... This week, I wasn't going to give you the satisfaction. <laughs> Me? This week, we're just doing it. Okay. We're, we're doing the it. damn thing. God damn it. Did you have one? I thought you were just trying to have a conversation with me. You said, not Jack, interested you have in a having question. a conversation with you. Absolutely not. Ugh, There's nothing I'm interested in less than having a conversation with you. <laughs> <laughs> so, this is before the Zuni's school burnt down. Mm-hmm. They're just pen pals. Yeah. The Zuni kids all send 
the Pike kids pictures of themselves. Mm-hmm. The the Pike kids are utterly fascinated by this, and they are trying to come up with things to send back to the the Zuni kids. How about Stony Brook decals or bumper stickers? Byron said. Mal nodded. Stony Brook souvenirs would be great. They're not as special as the pictures they sent you. We don't have our school pictures yet, Nikki said with a shrug. I put in my two cents. This is done. What kinds of things do we have in Stony Brook that they might not have out there? Cable TV, Adam suggested. Rain, Nikki said. Mrs. Farnsworth told us weather is always sunny out there. Vanessa groaned. Real great ideas, guys. Did you forget to put your brains in this morning? <laughs> That's your word of the week? Yeah, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> Vanessa. Vanessa says, did you forget to put your brains in this one? She's like, oh, great ideas, guys. That's a good, okay. uh, hey, one second, though. I'm worried. Did you forget to put your brains in this morning? Because those yeah. are bad ideas. <laughs> How are we going to send them rain, Nikki? <laughs> you dumb idiot. <laughs> All right. All right, you got me. I got a burn. You want to hear my burn and we? I would love to. It's a burn on you, and it's a burn on me. Okay. Now I'm less interested. (laughs) And it is a burn that is enacted by Don, the author of this book. And is the author. No, Don wrote this one. It's from her point of view. Okay. Don Schaefer. Yeah. Anne wrote it. Anne and Peter Lourages. Pretty sure this one is Don. Because she's talking about her own experience throughout this book. She's talking about this dark night of the soul that she goes through. Yeah. And here's a burn where she's trying to describe in a novel, brilliant, completely original Yeah, we're burning midnight all out here, bud. You're just putting more and more words in each of your sentences. <laughs> she's trying to describe each of the babysitters in the Babysitter's Club. Uh-huh. And she comes to the description of Stacy. And she says, Stacy's got blonde hair and blue eyes. She's an only child. And here's the best part. She's from New York City. <laughs> Just like I'm a California girl at heart, Stacy's a real New Yorker. She has a map of the city on her wall and something called an alternate side of the street parking calendar with cartoons about car parking. Yeah. They're really dumb, but New Yorkers supposedly find them hilarious. <laughs> I would find that hilarious. I would find that fucking hilarious. That is something I struggle with, alternate yeah. side parking. <laughs> Jack, the street in front of my house, Yeah, the side that my apartment is on <laughs> is Tuesday, Thursday. Yeah. And the opposite side is Monday, Friday. Yeah. How about you? Oh, man. I got Monday, Wednesday, mm-hmm. and I got Tuesday, Thursday. Yeah. Oh, it's it's just what a world we live in. What a fucking world. Something I have to struggle with. <laughs> you know? Every time I try to park a Parking car. in New York. Yeah. <laughs> uh, fuck you, Dawn. Fuck you, Dawn. Fuck, like, Go back to California where it's Dawn, like a goddamn like paradise and yeah. you can park wherever the hell you want. Walk a mile in my shoes, Dawn. Ugh. And you know what? You'd walk a lot more than a fucking mile because there's no goddamn parking in this fucking nightmare city. We go. gotta walk everywhere. We walk everywhere. Everywhere, Don. Fucking pave paradise. Put up a parking lot, Don. Yeah. <laughs> Jack. Um, Tanner. Yeah. Did you cry? Yeah, dude. I cried like a fucking baby. I did too, man. I do we do, do we need to introduce it with a
cheerful moment is a segment we do where we cry. Uh, the kids all do this damn thing. Tanner's trying to get out of here because his wife is across the street and she's fucking <laughs> sitting there waiting for him. And so Tanner thinks, we as is go, often the Jack, case, we have to go cancel that- our gym memberships. <laughs> <laughs> You're on your way to cancel your gym memberships together. At Baby Nation, is there any better sign the gym. of <laughs> a couple in love? <laughs> Than the romantic night that Tanner and Jamie Greenring have planned dinner for each other tonight. <laughs> Jamie is dutifully waiting across the street, getting a, a wine, perhaps, in the yeah. In and the you're bar really vamping here, street. huh? <laughs> you're really taking up some time because tonight, baby nation, tonight is the night that Tanner and Jamie take the plunge <laughs> and cancel their gym memberships together. You know, it's the day before New Year's <laughs> Eve. <laughs> That's not my resolution this year. Sir, I don't mean, I don't mean to hold you back from that. The from kids the, the all do their best. that you have planned. The kids all do their best. Fundraising. <laughs> the most moving and meaningful segment that we have in this podcast that the baby nation sits and waits for throughout the entire they slog through me desperately trying to squeeze religious significance out of this you talking about your fucking dumb burns of the week just so that we can get to the moment in this book that made us weep here's the moment that made me weep the kids (laughs) all did their best they raised a lot of funds. They pulled together a lot of canned and dried foods and clothing to send to the Zuni children in mm-hmm. New Mexico. Mm-hmm. This is when the guy writes back. Yeah. That's my moment, too, so let's just do it together. Do you want to read it at the same time? <laughs> no. No, I just mean let's share in it. So let me set it up and you can hell. read it. You, you can s- read it. Okay, you set so it up Claudia, and I'll read it. Super sleuth Baby Claudia. Nation, this is fucking intense. Oh, it's brutal. Oh, my I God. Was, I wept. No, like, no kidding. Hand of God, I was weeping. Yeah. Tears flowing down my cheeks. Yeah, me too. When I read this. Yeah. Okay. So Claudia, who's quietly become like our super sleuth yeah. in the last few weeks, figures out the name of the principal of the burned down school on the Zuni reservation in New Mexico. And she sends him this massive check. A few weeks later, the Babysitter Club gets the following letter in the mail. To the children of Stony Brook, Connecticut, I have been an educator for 27 years. As an English teacher and an administrator, I have guided my children to speak clearly with well-chosen words. But for the first time in my life, I find that words are inadequate to express my feelings. Our feelings. Many of us were rendered speechless by your generosity and unselfish donation of time. The gifts of clothing and food were distributed where needed and are already being enjoyed. The money has helped enable us to obtain financing for the construction of a new school. But the rewards of your work go beyond the gifts themselves. Our children have been inspired by you to do fundraising of their own. They are planning various activities right now, and the community seems to be throwing its support behind them. The government, perhaps partly as a reaction to the positive efforts we are displaying, agreed today to grant us substantial disaster funding. With luck, our school will be built and stocked with supplies by the beginning of next school year. We hope to be left 
with a reserved fund for an exchange trip with our brothers and sisters in Stony Brook, Connecticut. Once again, thank you all. Fondly, Joseph Woodward. Whew. It like got me again as you were reading it a little bit. Um, well, what a ride this has been. Tanner, do you have any place to, to be tonight? Um, well, as mentioned, I have to go cancel a gym membership. <laughs> I just wanted to hear you say it. <laughs> what a fucking night, man. No. Will you text me, text me to let me know, yeah, when you, let when you know. You, once it's canceled. Can we go home? Ugh. Uh, we're coming to a close now. I agree. I have been Jack Shepard. I agree. Nope. I have been Tanner Greenring. This has been another episode of the Babysitter's Club. 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 We read a book called Dawn of the Big Sleepover. Next week we're reading a book called Christy and the Baby Parade. (laughs) (laughs) It makes me laugh just hearing it. Can't wait. It sounds awesome. It sounds so good. It sounds fucking great. I cannot wait. Until then, Baby Nation, Claudia is wearing a bra now. And the way she talks, you would think that boys had just been invented. Uh, this is our hit new podcast. Mike check. Mike check. That actually sounds pretty good. That sounds good. We starring Mike on, and Mike. No, it's starring Jack and Tanner, but we check in on all of our favorite Mikes. <laughs> okay, I'm going to check in first on my stepdad in law. Okay, uh, Mike Weisfelder. How's How's Mike Weisfelder doing? Good. Great. You all got right. a favorite Mike? Yeah, I'm going to check in on my my buddy, my good pal, Mike Locker, an old colleague. Mike, how you doing, bud? Friend, how you doing? Out there, Mike Locker, I hope the world is treating you well. I'll call him, and yeah. I'll, have, I'll text him. I'll say, leave a voicemail and tell us how you're doing. Okay, good. And we'll just put that in there. Great. This has been another episode of Mike Check, starring Jack and Tanner.